Hi, this is Steve Poos Benson's podcast, and I'm Steve Poos Benson, your host. What I'd like to do today for this episode is to share with you a sermon that I preached on March 4th. It was one of my hopes with creating this podcast is I could uh, share with you the different sermons. You know, there's so many different ways you can hear a sermon from Sunday morning. You can either join us face-to-face at Columbine United Church. You can Facebook, you can live stream us on my Facebook page. You can watch the sermon on YouTube, um, which is always posted on Sunday afternoon. But maybe you didn't have a chance to do that and you'd like to to pick up the sermon on a podcast. Well, this is a wonderful opportunity. You know, this uh, Sunday I preached about Jesus feeding the 5,000, and it turned out to be a, I thought it was going to be a fairly normal, even maybe a boring sermon, and it turned out to be quite the controversial sermon. It really kind of uh, uh, torqued a few people off. So I'd like to offer to you today, and I'd like to get your feedback of what you thought about the sermon. What are the insights that you take and how, it is, how is it going to inspire you in your life? So take a listen. Here is the sermon from March 4th. All right. Just a word of preparation. Just a word of preparation. This morning, I want you to take your theological seatbelts, fasten them tight across your lap. In the event you lose oxygen in the middle of this sermon, something will fall through, fall out, and you'll be able to put your own oxygen. In other words, what I'm saying, this sermon might rattle your cage a little bit. Um, I didn't think it was going to rattle anybody's cage. In fact, I thought it was going to be a little bit of a yawner. Well, the holes you see on the ceiling is from the 8 o'clock service. A few people just kind of launched up and down and hit them. I want you to know that this sermon is designed not to shock you, not to offend you, but to stretch your faith. To stretch your faith. I just want you to know that I want you to stretch your faith and that we always have room for conversation and dialogue. Okay, ready? Let's begin. So are you practicing gratitude? Are you practicing gratitude every single day? Are you waking up and are you enjoying the beautiful life that you are living? Or do you have your life on some kind of autopilot? You know, that you're just kind of going through life and you're just kind of not aware of anything that's going on around you? You know, I was on autopilot this past week. I, I don't know why I kind of get caught up in all of the, the busyness and the distraction of the week. That Even though I knew I was preaching on this, I'm trying to get you to wake up to gratitude, I had a difficult time of waking up to it. And uh, periodically, I would kind of catch myself and say, Guy, enjoy the beautiful day. Be grateful, be grateful. But then I got in, involved in things. I was on, I was on autopilot yesterday. Uh, Phoebe and I are doing the shower remodel. It's not going well. And, uh, you know, just like... I was not grateful at all. I was not grateful at all. And then a phone call came. Our, our daughter Kelsey was in a serious bike crash. And uh, thank goodness she was wearing a helmet. Long story short, she is uh, uh, she's beat up, she's bruised, but she walked away from it and was at our house last night. When I saw her bicycle crushed in three pieces, literally crushed in three pieces. I thought to myself, how blessed I am that she walked away. How blessed I am that she is alive. How blessed I am that she is not paralyzed. And when, when you see things like that, it, it kind of like snaps you out of your autopilot, you know, and it reminds you to be grateful just to be grateful that you have your kids, and they're alive, and they're doing well, and everything kind of falls into perspective. 
to be grateful, to be grateful. And that's why, you know, during the season of Lent, I wanted to talk about gratitude. We're in the middle of Lent. Lent goes from Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday. And we're right in the middle of it. What I wanted to do during the season is to talk about gratitude and how we can be, be, learn to be grateful. Look at the different scripture passages about gratitude, how we can apply it to our lives. And so we have, we've looked at different things so far. And what I wanted to do today is I wanted to talk about communion and how we can be grateful for communion. Because communion is a big thing here at Columbine United Church. We celebrate communion literally every single Sunday of the year. But, uh, but this Sunday, on the first Sunday of the month, we always bring out the fine china. We do a, we do a big deal. Uh, you know, we call it, we call it um, big communion. And uh, this morning, Jane said, oh, we're doing real communion today. It's like, yeah, you know, this is, you know, the first Sunday of the month is a big, important time for us. But every single Sunday is special for us because we realize how important it is and how significant it is and how sacred it is. And what I'd like to do today is to even stretch your understanding of communion and to stretch how we apply it to our lives. And I want to use a scripture passage from John's Gospel as a way of kind of looking at Jesus feeding the 5,000 and comparing it to how we take communion and then apply that to our lives. So those three things are going on. Let's kind of dive in and look at the passage. So the passage starts that Jesus is teaching a multitude of people. He's teaching a multitude of people. The passage says that there are 5,000 people who have gathered to hear him teach. But those are just the men. What we really believe is that there are, you know, about 15,000 when you take into consideration the men and the women and the children. So there are 15,000 people that are gathered together. Now, in the middle of all this, he steps back and he looks at the crowd. He has the disciples right around him. He turns and he says to Philip, Philip, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? And then there's a notation that John gives us that Jesus said this because he wanted to stretch Philip's faith. He wanted to stretch Philip's faith. There's something about Philip and his faith that Jesus was not satisfied. satisfied. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. That's the other thing that John tells us. He already knew what he was going to do, but he wanted to stretch Philip. There's something about Philip's faith that needed to go beyond, to go the next distance. And so I started asking the question, well, where do we need to stretch our faith? Where do we need to stretch our understanding of communion? How do we go beyond what we already know about communion to go to a new place? And I started thinking about our own journey with communion and how we've stretched your understanding over these past years. You know, it goes all the way back many, many years ago when we started stretching your understanding about belief, that communion is not about what you believe or what you don't believe. Communion is not about what you accept to be true or what you don't accept to be true. It's not about those of you who doubt and those of you who don't doubt, those of you who sin and those of you who have lack of sin. That communion transcends all that, that God accepts you just the way you are. God accepts you. And it was a stretch, but you stretched that far. And you began to accept that. That was many years ago, because now that's just kind of passe for you, Columbine. You take that as a matter of course. So then we decided to stretch you a little bit further. And we said that really, communion is not about Catholic and Protestant. Because talk about a place where communion 
divides Christians into Catholic and Protestant is in communion. And it's not just with Catholic and Protestant. There are certain aspects of within Protestantism that if you're not a member of that Protestant denomination, you cannot take communion. And we said here that no, that's not the case. That communion is bigger and broader than all of that. It's bigger and broader than your denomination, what you, the lodge that you proclaim to be a part of. No, that God embraces all of those, and all of us are God's people, and we embrace it, and everybody takes communion. And you love that. I'll never forget the Sunday when I preached about that. And you said, yes, yes. And so then I decided to stretch you a little bit further. And we said, you know, that communion is for all people regardless the sacraments are for all people, regardless. And regardless, there is sexual orientation. That's what I was pushing on. And that communion, the sacraments embraced all people. The sacrament of the Lord's table, the sacrament of baptism. And then the rites of the church, marriage and prayer and counseling. All the rites of the church embraced all of God's people. And that who you are, you are welcome to this table. And you know what? You went that far, and you agreed with that, and you stretched. And now, it's just kind of a matter of course here at Columbine United. And so then I said, i got to stretch them even further. i got to stretch them even further. So we, we started looking at the labels that we use to divide ourselves as religions, that there are Jews, and there are Muslims, and there are Hindus, and there are Buddhists. And we use all these things as a way of kind of dividing us into different camps. And you know what? God doesn't care about the labels that we use to separate ourselves. That God's love is, transcends those and embraces each and every one of us. And I said, you know, that maybe communion is for all people regardless, even greater. And you know, I'll never forget the Sunday I preached about that. There was a Muslim family who was visiting us and they were sitting right over there. And they decided to take me at my word. And they got up, and I served them communion, and I felt as though the kingdom of God had arrived. The kingdom of God had arrived. And now, we say this every single Sunday when we take a big communion. And we say that as part of our, of our communion liturgy. And you know what? Now you just take that as part of the course for what it means to take communion here at Columbine United Church. And so I stand here today and I think to myself, well, now where do I go? Now how do I stretch your faith? How do I push you out even further? I talk about the communion is for the cosmos. The communion is for all of creation. And maybe I should go there. But I started thinking today about maybe where I need to stretch is have you stretch not so much on the communion itself, but on those of you who are taking communion. If, if Jesus wanted to stretch Philip's faith into a place where Philip was really uncomfortable in going, then how does Jesus want to stretch your faith in a place where you're uncomfortable to going? Because we always like to think we have it all wrapped up that our truth is the truth and it's the way that it is, but Jesus is always saying, yeah, and let's start to go to the next step. How do we stretch your faith? I had a wonderful conversation this past week with somebody who came into my office, a little, a little embarrassed, they you know, closed the door, pulled the drapes because they had something they wanted to tell me, 
And they said, like almost in confession, that they no longer believe in the doctrine of the atonement, that Jesus was a sacrifice for our sins. And she said, can I still be a Christian if I don't believe in that? I said, of course, it's a doctrine. It's a doctrine of the church. It's a product of the Council of Nicaea in the third century. Um, I said, faith is bigger than doctrine. And that you can, Jesus wants you to explore your faith. God wants to expand your faith. Faith is living and faith is dynamic. If that doctrine doesn't work for you, then go beyond it. Then go beyond it. Where do you need to stretch? Where do you need to go beyond? And I started thinking about all the different places that you need to go beyond. And this is really funny. I thought this next list of things were just going to be toss off that were not the big deal. This is where I guess you need to strap on your seatbelts. I said, maybe you need to go beyond your concept of heaven and hell. I don't believe in hell. I don't believe in hell. I believe that a good, loving God would just create heaven, and all of us, the entire world, would be embraced and go there. That God's love embraces all of human beings. Go beyond your notion of hell. Go beyond your no notion of the virgin birth. Um, I don't believe in the virgin birth. Someone after the first service was so, so shocked by that. How could you not believe in the virgin birth? Again, that was a product of the Council of Nicaea in the third century. No, I don't believe in that doctrine. You don't need to believe in that doctrine. Stretch your faith. You need to stretch your faith in your understanding of the, of the resurrection. Was Jesus bodily raised from the dead, or was it a spiritual raising from the dead? Paul believes in the spiritual raising of the dead. I believe in the spiritual raising of the dead. That block blew a few people's gaskets. You need to understand that we take the Bible literally we need to take the Bible seriously. Now, I got that backwards. Got to, got to, thank you for catching me on that one. Thank you for catching me on that one. We take, yeah, oh, oh, oh. we take the Bible seriously, not literally. We take the Bible seriously, which means we, we need to interpret it. We bring all of the schools, academic schools together to interpret the scripture. We see that it's a living, dynamic document. We believe, as the UCC believes, that God is still speaking. And the Bible is a tool by which we hear God speak yet today, but God is still speaking yet today. How do you need to stretch your faith? What is your next step? You know, for me, I love being stretched. I love being stretched. Because it means that I'm still alive, that I'm not dead that my faith is not static, that God has taken me new in different places. I have been a minister since Noah dropped the door of the ark. <laughs> and what I love is that there is always something new. There are new gifts and skills that God wants me to develop. I'm constantly being challenged to grow in my faith. I love being stretched. You know, then there's Philip. Philip hears the way that Jesus wants to stretch him, and he has, wants no part of it. Jesus, not even 200 pieces of silver would buy enough bread to feed the masses. The words are not even out of Jesus' mouth before he said, before Philip says, this can't happen. This can't happen. Do you know people like that, you have a really good idea, and you share your good idea? Before the idea is even out of your mouth, they go, whoa, no, it can't be. It's like they almost need to say no before they can get to a yes. Do you know people like that? 
Like, there's going to be a lot of people when this thing goes live, uh, this sermon goes live, gonna, my emails are going to be filled tomorrow with people who says, you can't say that. You can't believe that. How can you be a Christian minister and say those types of things? Well, you know what I believe? These people have limited vision. Limited vision of what God can do. Philip had limited vision of what God can do. Limited vision. And what can happen if we expand our vision? And then Andrew, bless Andrew's heart, Andrew sees some possibilities. There's a little kid, maybe there in the first couple rows, a little boy, and he has, sees a, someone with a basket. He sees this little boy with a basket of five loaves and two fish. And, Philip, and Andrew says, Lord, here's some, something, but I mean, what is it compared to all of these people? It's kind of like communion. I mean, they are teeny little cups. And they are just little pieces of bread. I mean, what can God really do with little things? I mean, you might be one of those fish. You might be one of those loaves of bread. And you might be thinking, well, what can God do with me? I'm just me. Well, what you need to see is that in the hands of God, you can do amazing things. Because it's just not you. You're joined together with a multitude of other people, multitude of other breads and pieces of fish, and in God's hands, something miraculous can happen. Look, I mean, look what happened. Jesus took the bread, he took the fish, he gave thanks. He was grateful. And then he spread it. And the bread expanded and expanded, and the fish expanded and expanded. They passed the loaves, they passed the loaves, till. All 15,000 people were fed, and they gathered up 12 baskets of food left over. There's always more left over when God is done working with us. And it makes me think, well, what could we do if we really took serious the notion that in God's hands we can do just about anything? What if we set aside our limited vision and began to dream, what could God do through us? I started thinking. And you know, there's the feeding of, of 15,000. Missed that slide. Cancer has been a scourge upon our culture. For my entire ministry, I have seen so many people who have been whittled away by this terrible disease and have gone to their resurrection. And I thought to myself, can we not find a cure? We have found a cure for so many things in our society, in the history of the American or the uh, human culture. Can we not find a cure for this? See, I pray for that day. I long for that day. And I believe that day will come. That somehow, somewhere, all the fish and the bread will be combined. And somehow, someday, we'll find a cure. I started thinking about all the people in this world who are without clean water. I think to myself, surely we can be able to figure this one out. Surely we can be able to figure this one out. I mean, there's so many of us who have access to clean water. Don't you think we can somehow find a way so that every single one of God's children around the world has access to clean water? 
And that's why I love what we do in Nicaragua with El Por Veneer, because it's a really concrete way that we are doing, digging wells, working with these little villages, bringing them water. We're just Columbine United Church. We're just one little place on Platte Canyon Road. But what can God do with us if we let go and have expansive vision and not limited vision? And then, and then, I started dreaming about the impossible. For 19 years, I have dreamed about a day when there will no longer be shootings in our schools. For 19 years, I have prayed. For 19 years, I have worked to somehow see that someday this vision could be actualized. And, and I begin to wonder, are we not at some kind of tipping point? Now, I know we all have different visions about how this can happen, how it should come about, but I keep on thinking, is there some way that those of us on the left and the right can set aside our biases and our differences and come to some kind of center ground and have a sane conversation for the betterment of our kids? Find a way to come forward so that we can create a common vision that embraces all of our thinking and all of our ideas because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take all the fish and all the bread. But it is a vision that is going to be realized. I tell you, it is going to be realized. I believe God can do this and God will do this. We cannot hold back. We cannot limit God's vision. It will take each and every one of us, but it will happen. Just a little cup. A little piece of bread. You do it every single Sunday. But maybe in this little piece of bread, in this little cup, lies the answer to the entire world. Because in this cup, in this bread, God has embraced all of humanity. And for this, I am deeply grateful. Well, thank you for listening to this sermon from March 4th. I hope that you've enjoyed it, or maybe more, I'm hoping that it caused you to think. Think about uh, what you believe about the virgin birth, what you believe about heaven and hell, what you believe about the physical resurrection of Jesus or the spiritual resurrection of Jesus. But really, I want you to think about how God can expand your view of life and the different things that you are grateful for. So thanks for tuning into this podcast. I look forward to seeing you face to face sometime. Take care and have a great day. (laughs) 